That's what you really should do. Instead of giving these badges for your suits, because not everyone wears a suit, you should just have a nipple piercing thing. And with the EIP yeah, like goes on each side. Everybody wears nipple piercings, true. Well, if Good you haven't, you, we can maybe offer it as a free service. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to be inclusive. So you need to have a piercer at the site for any delegates who want to get their nipples pierced. Yes. Which, which I'm sure will be fitting right into the <laughs> guidelines for safety. accusing people of nepotism here joe not nepotism more like um circle jerkings <laughs> <laughs> okay that needs to become a quote i'm writing that one down my pen doesn't work i have to like type this one down because we were saying like that there are some some beautiful quotes and most of them come from joe i must admit uh, let's see tells from sessions there we go some beautiful quotes and most of them do come from joe and we're like we need to create t-shirts with these quotes on them <laughs> with our logo <laughs> So like, not nepotism. Yeah, and when you when you start selling more merch than than the office, you'll start you'll get a um, royalties request with a potential lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> not nepotism, more circle joke. More, more circle joke. Can that can that be the uh, title of our upcoming episode? <laughs> yes. How I would put it. <laughs> <laughs> but why, why why would you phrase it that way, Ali? I'm curious. That is that is for uh, future us to oh. discuss, Joel. <laughs> uh, something to look forward to, our future us. Well, it is the only, I mean, I don't know what's in the history book. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but it is the only kind of long-term safekeeping, you can call it, of EYP's collective memory. So it's one thing that's been missing for the longest time of like some kind of community in EYPers getting to pass down their knowledge and experiences down the generations. Like it existed when you started uh, EYP Nathan, or when you were like active, when people were actively making guides and guides were a thing and that's just not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's kind of weird how EYP, despite being such a community-driven, community-built platform, doesn't really have any content creation beyond our sessions and the guides basically i mean that's the io youtube channel that's ali shaking his head <laughs> questionable quality uh i'll go i'll go on record to say that uh <laughs> yeah i think i had like one of, I, I did some kind of webinar training thingy-majig and then at one point i realized that that was on their youtube channel and i was like this is it's <laughs> it was not designed for that it is not fit for purpose there yeah so i think it's a collection of just random I don't know. Uh, let's see how much views they get down there. <laughs> but yeah, I think those trends are what made me think about the unkinking part. Because I, I once I realized it wasn't unthinking, but it was unkinking. Because, you know, unthinking seemed like the logical thing. So whenever I read that title, I was like, unthinking. Oh, that makes sense. And then I saw unkinking. And I'm like, oh, you know, every every generation when they start and when they're active, there's like a um, popular thing among teams like those recurring vision themes that 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 exist so i know it wasn't knowledge sharing for me for example so that was one of my kinks <laughs> when when i was you know first doing leadership positions and so on and i guess it's natural as well right it derives from like what you find missing when you're a team member and you wish you could do more of and then you uh, or you have positive or negative experiences and then you get into it yeah yeah uh, it would be really interesting to have some like research on what those kind of trends are like if 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 there are like some organization-wide trends of people things that people have had negative or positive experiences with that are happening at the time or have happened at the specific time period in multiple sessions yeah i think it also connects with like generations like age-wise generations and what people kind of prefer <laughs> are you calling us old ali is that what's happening? Calling us old, yes. But uh, for me, knowledge sharing was like a thing that I was doing sometimes. And I can see, for example, Laura was probably also starting more as an official around that time. And maybe she had like a different experience with it and she wanted to unkink it. And for me, like the way I see it is on my like 
in my latter years to call it as an old man there is the flat hierarchy coming up and you know the generation after me who's getting into leadership is was i don't know about now only talking about flat hierarchy as like the main selling point of an official steam as a president or editor hmm. if if someone from our listeners has way too much time on their hands you should definitely go and just scour through Facebook pages of old events and go through the leadership visions to see what what kind of collect the keywords. Make make a yeah Excel sheet. Yeah. If if only there was some kind of group or some kind of page in which people actively had discussions in EYP that they could like scour through. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know. Have a search on Facebook or something like that to see if there's. Something. It's 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 a shame that. Uh... Yeah, we don't really have uh, this kind of discussion platforms in new workers. Yeah. Or you could like... <laughs> yeah, good old inside jokes. Yeah, no, but it, it would be interesting to see like if flat hierarchy, for example, if that's come up before, like if there were seasons of flat hierarchy sessions in like 2003 well, or something. There were definitely seasons of people in leadership positions that were very autocratic. Like I experienced that uh, <laughs> a few times where, you know, you, you would have presidents that were acting very, uh, so to say, presidential and kind of looked at it like, a, you know, big four uh, <laughs> corporate ladder kind of kind of way. So I also see, you know, flat hierarchy, uh, hierarchy probably went up from there with some people's frustrations with leadership styles that uh, they wanted to maybe compensate when they were uh, themselves in leadership positions later and it's kind of difficult in uip to, to even spot out these kind of trends because you know each uip is just a whole collection of different sessions and each of us have a certain set of sessions that we go through and that we do so it's yeah it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to because if, if i think about okay how was it back in the day i'm thinking about how was it in my 10 15 sessions during the this and this year um, I'm not thinking about how EYP was generally speaking. Because I say, if I think about myself towards the beginning, I can think of presidents like Jonas Tarega, like Hamed Mobasa, like, like presidents like that, who they were so, so, so open, so constantly interacting with delegates, like even pretending to try to be a delegate during the first couple of days until you notice them. Like the, they, they would really try to, you know, destroy that part of the hierarchy so i guess my experience even back in the day was a very like flat hierarchy experience but maybe those were just the sessions that i went to yeah i think it's also about what you mean by it right so i think term flat hierarchy doesn't quite make sense like it's kind of like saying dry water like i get non-hierarchical right that that is an approach i get but to me the some visions i've seen for like not like what was it? Flat hierarchy, boards, and so on is like, oh yeah, the VPs are the same as the president. We just share the work. And that always was a like different chord with me because I think we all get very different skills in every role in UIP, right? Like as a delegate, you learn to compromise and to work with other people. And as a VP, it's kind of the same. Like you're working with other people and you're building something together. And it's always about making decisions together and learning leadership. But then being a president, same goes for being an editor. I think you get a lot of skills and practice in like leading a team and giving people frameworks to work with. And it's not like, unless you're a very autocratic person, it's not like you're saying you will do this and you will do this. You it's still, EYP is always a code decision-making thing, but you yourself as a president or editor get this experience of what it's like to give framework to people and to structure and to lead them yourself. And that's kind of the value of the position, I think. Yeah. So, so, so that's like, looking at the flat hierarchy within the chairs team, for example. And then I, I think on our very first episode that we recorded was with Chris Tripp, and he was talking about how to do it as a session. And so, for example, even back in the day, like years and years, and like we're talking like more than a decade, maybe two decades ago, <laughs> when Chris Tripp was, was like introducing a whole bunch of stuff, um, one thing he tried to introduce was to have a delegate president. So representation within the delegate teams and then even like committee committee representation uh, for, with different delegates who then come together and then explain to the officials team how things are going for them and for them to actually be a part of the decision making 
And I guess that is looking at flat hierarchy of saying, if the session is normally very hierarchical, how can you start to fold this or to flatten that in a certain way? But still by creating more hierarchies, right? It's still creating no hierarchy within the delegates in order to try to achieve less within across the teams. But I think it, it, does, it did stick. I can only speak about the ISs I've been to, but in Brno, Valencia and Warsaw, uh, there were uh, committee ambassadors and every day someone in the board and the rest of the leadership would have lunch with one representative from each committee and get feedback on how the session is going, how the different elements are you know, working in. And I think that's just a good way to get active feedback from the participants and make sure that you're able to lead the session in a dynamic way that works better for them, right? It's like optimization and iteration processes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And actually, it kind of brings me to to a thought that is something I, I struggled with in UIP towards the beginning is the fact that in UIP, everything is about teams, teams, teams. It's all about prioritizing the team. Let's work as a team. And then so, sometimes you have an element that comes in to break it. So for example, you've done the whole team building, you've done the whole committee work and everything's about this team, team focus. And then you need to decide who gets to do defense speech, who does summation speech part one, who does summation speech part two. And you have these kind of elements. And then most chairpersons go into some kind of selection thing of maybe they allow each delegate to kind of say why they should be doing the speech. And then they get all the other delegates to vote upon it. And suddenly you're kind of creating internal winners and losers within the team where some people get the whole confidence and vote of their team and other people are, almost feel rejected by their team. And I guess in this kind of case, it's saying, well, if if like myself, I personally had an issue with that constantly, so I would just make them do rock, rock paper, scissors, and I much preferred them to hate me for thinking it's not fair, the system, than start to feel <laughs> hatred amongst each other there. It's like... If you start to create this kind of representation and you say, okay, now you have to select a representative for your committee. Once again, does that go through the same kind of process? Is it you give it to somebody random by chance or do they go through a selection process between themselves to decide who do they want to have represent them? And if they do that process, then how is that going to affect, affect the team dynamic of what we're trying to focus on of, which is your one team, one team, one team. Yeah, and I think that probably, you know, it, it, it happens in boards as well. I don't know how the presidents who say they're going to do full flat hierarchy do it, but you know, at the end you get together as a board and you're stuck. You're talking about all the different elements, and maybe everyone has a different idea of you know. Joel wants to do resotyping like this, and I want to do it like this, and you want to do it like that. And there's three different ideas. Your you know voting is clearly not going to be a good dynamic for your board. So at the end of the day, you're either going to have to talk it out, and someone steps down the same way delegates do their discussions in committee or if there's an impasse then i think that's kind of where the president comes in right there needs to be at least suggestion of being like perhaps this will work better with the overall theme of the session or the program and we should go with this not to say there should be one person making decisions but i think that's the whole idea of having president and a board or editor and editorial assistance is someone is there to give guidance to a certain degree yeah i wonder if that was the original purpose of it like if the first sessions that had a, I, I wonder if the first sessions that we had that had precedence i don't know how the initial baby sessions were actually formed in terms of the chairs team but i i wonder if the ses first sessions that had precedence if they even had vice presidents and when those vice presidents were added was that the reason or was it just to help the workload of the president in some way or some other reasoning behind that yeah i mean vps used to chair right i remember oh, nathan you were VPing and rise yeah. right yep yeah, i was I VPing remember. and solo chairing and rise yeah 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 oh the dark times yes yes and EAs didn't really exist. They came in much later because editor was also a member of the chairs team, technically, especially in ISs. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So like true. chat used to be the chairs team, the board and the editor or the editors. Yeah. And and then for, for, for the recommendation system, um, you, you could only give somebody a recommendation is if you were if you had chaired or edited an IS. So editors were also considered within that team there. But then if you had been a media team of an IS, you couldn't write people recommendations. Yeah, so clearly <laughs> through time, we did become less hierarchical as an organization. But I don't know if that means we should uh, just have a board and no president and 
you know, one per, one member of the board gives the opening speech, another member gives the closing speech, and you remove this person at the top for the sake of saying we're all equals. When I I think that person at the top, I'm making air quotes. I forget this isn't recorded. Uh, is themselves getting a lot out of the experience of being in that position, right? That's part of the personal development of it all. And if, if I think back to, to Yerevan, I guess something that, that I tried there is it's slightly different with the hierarchy. I, on the one hand, you can see us less hierarchical. Or on the other hand, you can see us even more hierarchical. Because um, I... In, yeah, okay. Yeah, Joel's saying yep, the latter. Yep, I'm yep, sorry, Joel. Yep, okay, yep. Joel, I'm sorry for your experience <laughs> in my team. I apologize, whatever. I've shit um, on this enough. You shit on it way enough, mate. So, <laughs> yes, okay. So, so for, for Yerevan, uh, we, well, I decided that the VPs would be the head of the chairs team. So they run the chairs team, just like the editors run the media team, HOs run the orga team. And then I run the leadership team. So I work with the HOs, with the editors, with the VPs. And I'm like, cool, they're my team. And the way uh, the way I look at it that way is that way I'm, I'm looking after the session instead of the chairs team. And then now and then taking a look at the other teams. It wasn't enough for Nathan to be the head of the chairs team. He needed to be the head of the entire <laughs> the session. <whole> session. <laughs> No, I actually remember reading the vision for Yerevan now like vividly. And I looked at it, I'm like, wow, he actually found a way to elevate himself to a whole yeah. new level. I literally <laughs> promoted myself. Supreme leadership. Which, which is fun to now hear him phrase it as maybe it was less hierarchical, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's less hierarchy within the chairs team. Because in the chairs team, you just have chairs and then you have the VPs. There we go. Yeah, because like the system is, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think I think the platform should make a new role just for that, and you should just be supreme leader. <laughs> yes, yes, but actually, like during the session when we're talking about it and stuff, we kind of saw that this is the role that I, I guess in our case, yeah, that there are a whole bunch of issues and absences and illness and stuff like this, so like totally understandable. But I guess this is more the role of the IO as project manager, and maybe that's I guess there was that kind of vacuum at least for our session and maybe that's where that role kind of steps in is to say okay let's make sure that these three teams are actually working together in a certain way and we had a whole bunch of issues that came up and we were able to resolve really 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 big issues within a small period of time again and again and again like media team had so many issues that were able to resolve very quickly the chairs team had a whole bunch of issues when especially when it came came to the runes and stuff like this and they may have saw just a fraction of the issues that we had to actually deal with in the background but we were able to deal with all them really 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 easily because we were like a cohesive leadership team of HOs, editors, VPs, constantly, constantly working together. And I definitely did see some potential in there, even, even if Joel's experience wasn't the greatest of it. <laughs> I did see some potential there. Yeah, that's actually kind of how I approach most of my, like, or did edit uh, and preside was, you know, before the session, the when you have the EAs or the VPs, you like come together and you talk about portfolios and every member of the board or editorial team just takes on one of the projects. So, you know, there can be one VP in charge of, say, resotyping, one in charge of the TOs or in terms of media teams, you can have someone in like video projects and then someone in photo projects or whatever. And then you as the leader just kind of making sure that's all coordinated. You take some of it on yourself to to help out with the workload. And then when the topic is that one thing, then you have a point person who's the project manager of that one thing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I guess that that's what um, Olga teams have been doing for quite a while. And I guess to, to kind of build that into other teams does make sense. And I guess where my mind was at for a lot of this is especially you, you go to a session if you're a session if you go to a session as a delegate you don't know anything about eyp you see the president at the beginning you know during certain speeches and opening ceremony you see them open the session you see them close the session you see all these different things they take that kind of like formal side and to any outsider any external guests you always introduce this is the president of the session etc but then within the session the president only really focuses on one team which is then the, the chairs team. So you have this person who's who 
externally and to all the delegates as represented represented as the head of the session and they only focus on one team and then you have the media team and orga team who we always kind of say that they don't get enough credit and they don't get enough light on everything that they do and they don't get enough support and we kind of wonder why and so i guess that's where my mind's kind of out with that which is that well in that case just like you have editors with the media team you should have a team that then run the chairs team and then if you have somebody who's presiding the session whether it's a person if you want co a co-presiding event then cool you have multiple presence etc et but they shouldn't really focus on that one team i feel that it should be a larger focus to the rest so yeah there should be the position of supreme leader that's an official title <laughs> yeah you know um i think joel you are doing or did a co-presiding session am i mistaken you are mistaken. no i am okay i yeah that that idea never i never quite understood it personally because it just to me seems like you're adding yet another step of a decision making process that already within the many decision making groups like whether it's the chairs team or the leadership team when you have so much going on i feel like there is value in one person at some point calling the shot for something like let's say it's resotyping and there's something going wrong if you have one person being like okay this is the this is what we go with because we have you know 30 minutes to get this done in those situations i think yeah i can't imagine having a co-president and every little thing i need to like run by them not the way you would run something by a board but yeah uh, i think this kind of shared decision making is like okay that's the least controversial thing about that what's wrong with the logara if which is probably we we can talk about did they do we have three or four head organizers and they just would not make a decision without involving every single one of them every littlest smallest thing that they had to do they ran it through all three head organizers that were running on different sides of the venue all the time and making any decision took like minimum half an hour and by worst multiple days and it was just an absolute nightmare that just did not work but i feel like if those if, if like in a co-presiding situation, you have personalities that work well together and trust each other's authority, no, not authority, but competence, then you can have that work in a way that you can make decisions even without involving the other person. And then you can maybe try and get some other things out of the co-presiding setup if you set it up in that way. Yeah, my best uh, example for multiple leaders in a team is actually my first time being an official was at this IF and we had five head organizers. Five? <laughs> what? We had five they, they, they basically said that the Olga team, they were like, you know what? You're all promoted to supreme yeah, yeah. leaders of the organizer team. All the winners here. <laughs> it, was, it was also like 15 people in the organizing team, right? So you have five head organizers, five core team organizers, and then five organizers. Um, <laughs> Everybody some gets point their the, own organizer. <laughs> just one. At some point in the session, I was experiencing as this, you know, young kid at his second or third ever session. And I went up to one of the head organizers. I'm like, hey, uh, the coffee break isn't happening. Like, there's something wrong. We need more... I don't know, cups, right? And the, one of the HOs I went to was like, "That's I'm not concerned with that, not my domain, go to the other one. I went to the other one. And it's kind of like, ask mom, ask dad, but you have five of them. So <laughs> each of them went, like sent me to the other. And at the end of it, when the last one said, go to this, I'm like, I went to all of you. Can one of you just either tell me that I can make a decision myself or make a damn decision? Because <laughs> something needs to happen. But when we think of any other like leadership role, if you think about editors... You never see it weird as having two editors. That's natural. If you think about HOs, it's not weird to think of having two HOs. It's, it is kind of weird to think when you have one HO. You're like, oh my God, okay, this person, they are grinding hard on this and this is going to be really difficult. Yerevan, we had one HO. Yeah, I don't know. Like When it comes to head organizers, I don't necessarily see one head organizer as a pain point, but then you do need a solid set of core organizers to support that because there's just too much work. And so, if, but for presiding, I mean, it's the same kind of decisions that they're going to be making at the end of the day. For example, when it comes to HOs, just because you have two instead of one HOs doesn't make everything slower in terms of that decision-making process. 
because they they should work with each other in a certain way. One should be able to take responsibility. If there's something really, really, really major and they need to chat with the other person, then they should definitely have that chat and they will probably do that and then get back to you. And that, I guess, maybe it's because we never really see multiple presidents that in our mind we kind of say, well, actually, this is going to be really difficult. But I mean, the other teams do it all the time. We should uh, we should have an episode with uh, some people that actually did that. I think I know a couple. Yeah, yeah it was um, um, Barish and uh, uh, Bernie, Bernie, who did it. Okay. Yeah, we'll check that out. Yeah, I think when it comes to the also, I saw it a few times because I've not been super active the past few years, but I think... Uh, one pain point a lot of team members have, and I'm sure there's maybe some people listening who at some point called me a dictator of a leader, is that, you know, you you have to have a vision for the session and you kind of need to build that vision early on unless you have a very long time before a session where you can first select your board and then make like a chairs team vision with that board and then select the chairs team. There are a few examples of this, but usually not the case with time in UIP. I think it's also a matter of one person, whether it's the editor or president, making a vision for their teams. And that vision, including, you know, we are definitely going to do one project of this sort and everything else you can decide yourself. So like for Valencia, I had uh, in my vision, every media team member will do a video infographic about their topics and that will be the academic engagement. It's what used to be like articles back in your day, Nathan. <laughs> but that was, you know, that was something I put in my vision. And then when media team members came in, I don't remember if this was which actual session it was, but there were some people who were frustrated with it. Uh, and they're like, I don't really want to do this. And my reasoning was like, I, I'm not, you know, spontaneously forcing you to do something. But the way I see it is when you apply to a session from a vision, you're kind of buying into that, right? You're saying that's the vision I would like to work with. You come into it and you work with that. Kind of going back towards like the leadership as a whole, and an idea that popped into my mind is if we then, if okay, if we treat flat hierarchy within an academic board and just, okay, everyone has their own project that they're focused on and everyone kind of has the same authority over it. How could, but in, in an academic board, every board member still mingles in all the different topics like you're going to be involved in resolution typing even if it's not your kind of domain it would be interesting to try a similar approach for the leadership to have an entire leadership with enough competence for each field from the very start of the session and not limit the head organizers to organizing not limit the president to the chairs team, but all the leadership figures in the leadership team could, in a similar matter of a flat hierarchy academic board, have effect and impact on all the different teams. Have you guys, well, the, what kind of thoughts does that bring up in you? We kind of did that in Valencia to a degree. We had kind of bigger plans that obviously time didn't always allow ultimately, but there was this this idea actually to for each leadership member to have kind of a side project that they work on so you know someone would maybe develop the officials team team building framework and you know i could have a one of my editorial assistants working with one of the hos and one of the vps on that before the session so then they're the ones who collectively make oh this is how we want to approach team building. This is some of the cool shit we're going to do beforehand or to work with, let's say the whole uh, committee ambassadors thing. So like have these sort of sub projects. I don't remember all of them now, but indeed the leadership kind of took those on and yeah, it was quite nice actually. Do you see that that would only work on this kind of limited project or would you be able also see it in terms of kind of authority towards the rest of the team? Like in a way of, okay, you're not just organizing the team building of uh, the officials team, but you would also be able to kind of be more aware of all the organizational things as the president and then be able to organize things with the organizers without, or the core, core organizers without needing to involve the head organizer in the decision making of that. I guess it really depends on time and the people, right? Like I, I, I did a very organizational thing in Valencia that I think kind of caught on. It's one of the things that like, I look back on new sessions and I'm like, oh, nice. Like, some people are actually still doing this is we had a, a media team event, which was a lot like a lobby event of the of the academic team. But it was a time where each media team member got to have their own stand where um, delegates or anyone could come by and participate in a project or they could ask questions. So, for example, we, we had someone answering 
all your media team questions in EYP and delegates were coming and asking how to write applications. There was someone doing a painting. Delegates would go and help with the painting. And it was this like hour and a half moment in the, in the day. And I had all these ideas, you know, we could go to, we could do it in an art gallery. We could do it in like a church. And I basically pestered DHOs for like a month with so many stupid ass. No, they weren't stupid, but they were like ambitious ideas. And they had to like, politely reject me every time because obviously it would be a logistical nightmare for them but at the end like we did figure out the event it did happen and it was just a matter of the HOs trusting me and being able to work it in to the program and making it work and I think it took a lot of willingness and flexibility on their end to both put in that trust but also to you know somehow give part of their own domain away I think that that, that was really cool of them and then like I'm pretty sure that you've both done this, the amount of times that you've presided and had to basically step in as a HO through part of the session. Well, thankfully, we have a previous episode uh, where we talked about that the whole time. For all viewers, go check it out. It's episode something, two two episodes ago, three, okay. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, exactly. So like, there are definitely like many times and many sessions where you kind of step out of your role and into another one. I remember the first time no, my, my, my second chairing experience, or it could have been my first, I can't remember, it was one of them. No, no, it was, it was my, my, my first chairing experience was actually as a media team member. Um, I, I applied to be a media team member in a session in Romania back in 2011. And I was like fresh delegate, kind of went there. And then uh, one someone else who applied to be a media team member was selected to be the president. And then I, I was, yeah, that happened. Um, and then <laughs> I was media team member slash co-chair. <laughs> so then I had to co-chair part of it. But luckily I had been a media team member where I had to, where the, the, the chairs kind of introduced me to a lot of stuff that they do and kind of helped teach me a few different bits along the way for, for the fun of it. And so luckily I, I kind of knew some kind of basics to kind of help in. But yeah, she she just wanted to be there as a media team member, but she was like presiding and co-chairing, you know. So like sometimes you know, you, you have to step out of your role, you have to like do something else depending on what <laughs> you're told to do. But I think it's also on the other end of that, there's a lot of trust involved. Like I remember a lot of times if I were like editing and I had VP'd and presided a few times, then I would offer to help with the resotyping and, you know, or if I'm in another role, I'm help like offering to help with this. And a lot of times people will be hesitant and they won't want their authority undermined. So they wouldn't want you helping in because it's not your role. And then a lot of times, so in Luxembourg, the board was very outnumbered. They last second, the president left and uh, one of the VPs stepped up. So they were, you know, down uh, one person. So as the editor, I actually did like, three reso checks and I was you know more so me helping it was actually them trusting and being okay with like their own confidence of not being undermined let's say to be okay with that like that takes uh that takes some and I guess this kind of what what I ideated comes as Nathan brought up and you Ali is the comes through comes into effect in sessions that we have through either time pressure people dropping out people needing help or just in Nathan's example, lack of competence on uh, some leaders' behalf where you need to take over and help, like, hold them by the hand while they had organized. But it would be an interesting kind of concept to see this done, not because of those restraints, but because it was something people chose to do and had the trust towards each other from the start, which, of course, does bring a whole aspect of nepotism etc etc because you need to have a whole leadership from at the concept stage of the session but if you look beyond that that would be interesting i mean there is a good reason why we divide these responsibilities the way we do at the moment it's it's too much to ask from every random leader we have in in our events but it's a, it's an interesting idea i think i mean the whole nepotism thing i actually yeah, for many, many years, it's always been like a point of discussion because, you know, sometimes you see sessions where you're like not surprised at all why those people are doing it together. And then and then sometimes you're you're seeing, you know, random people together and maybe it looks good on paper, but then you think about 
how those people are going to work together in practice, which sometimes can work out, sometimes may not work out. But I, it does, I think, beg the question of what's the lie, like what's the balance in between that? Because at the end of the day, let's say it's IS and you're presiding uh, or you're editing and you're about to put nine to 10 months of your voluntary time, in some people's cases, outside of your work to do this, you might as well do it with people you like working with, have worked with before and already have a synergy going with, right? But in IS selection procedures, you can't really say, I don't want to work with this person. <laughs> if someone is qualified on paper, you just need to basically come up with sneakier ways of making these quote unquote legitimate arguments why you want your friends there, uh, <laughs> which is the part that makes it more shady, I think. Which yes. still happens, yeah. All the time, like the number of selection panels where you're kind of <laughs> discussing and like, I, I literally, I had it once where uh, I, I, I forced I forced a certain method on the selection panel, which was I we got in all the ap applications. I then kind of yeah cloned it, deleted um, anything that we could see by their name or stuff like this, and so we just had what they gave us in terms of answers. We then kind of like coded it, scrambled it around. We all got we all got this, and then we just had to color code, so we could only read the answers to questions, and we had to color code them to say does this show us what we're looking for in this kind of person, this kind of person for this kind of role? We color code everything, then the color coding results in some kind of score, and then you have the people, you rank everyone by score, and then you have an open discussion. And you're saying, it's not saying that this score now will completely determine the selection, because that's just how well somebody managed to write an application. But you get to see what they wrote for their application, and you get to see your thoughts on it from an unbiased perspective, with hopefully not knowing who wrote different things and i literally had it once where one of the one of the people who are at the top in terms of what we thought what they wrote uh wasn't selected at the end because there were other people within that same nc that they wanted to select who wrote much lower things but they kind of really really fought to have those those people on the team and not this person and then I saw that person not too long afterwards and then had to kind of explain to them and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this shit is really fucked up sometimes. But yeah, sometimes on that selection panel, it's it's horrible. Yeah, I don't know how you did it. Because I remember when you were doing that, I think you did it for a few panels. It wasn't yeah. one. And I, I, I contemplated on that uh, back then because on some aspects, it makes a lot of sense because you're removing that, that even unconscious bias, right? Yeah. Not just... I want that person, but like, but then I don't know if it also fully evens the the battlefield, so to say, because obviously there are going to be people with better linguistic skills that can write something more persuasive, like not just grammar and stuff, but just be more persuasive that will give them an upper hand. And there will also be a lot of times where I'll see like, a, you know, okay app, maybe not bad, but not great. But then that person's uh, previous experiences valuable not necessarily oh he chaired 10 times but more like oh this person did some organizing did some media uh and now wants to chair for like the second time mm -hmm. i kind of value that a lot personally for like someone coming into the team and it's like not a super important but like a you know something to consider in the panel for me so i don't know if you were actually checking their session histories yep we also check session histories um ask does anyone know this person have they got any previous experience with them we did all of that as well but the whole afterwards exactly the whole idea is that it's just the first stage when you're going to color code the the applications themselves you color code them anonymously and then you have a discussion and as you have your discussion they're already ordered into what everybody thought about these people so it should be well where the discussion should really be at is the if you're selecting let's say 10 people and you have 20 applicants well, the top three or four should probably be safe. Those ones are the ones that, you know, if everyone said that these people are, we, we're going to want them, those are probably safe. And then the bottom three or four are probably going to be a no. And then it's mainly a discussion between that middle block of saying, okay, we're here, let's spend most of our time. Like you spend a little bit of your time just confirming the top few, spend a little bit of your time on the bottom few, and then most of your time is in the middle having that like deep discussion about those, those people. And sometimes you're right, you're saying, okay, this app wasn't amazing, but it's a first timer. And maybe we really want to give them an opportunity. 
this app was okay, but this person's done 25 sessions before. And, you know, after all of that experience, I would have expected something more from them. For sure. Yeah, that's that's actually the worst kind of apps I see aren't people, you know, trying and writing bad apps. I feel like a lot of people, when they start out, tend to write like, okay apps, but at least they put in a lot of effort. Whereas more experienced people half-ass apps much more thinking their experience is going to get them in. And in, I guess in some people's cases, it does get them in. But for me, when I see a half-assed app from someone who has 30-something sessions, I'm like, nah, man, you clearly don't care enough to write a good application. I don't care enough to have you on the team then, huh? And I've definitely been guilty in that in that side there on the panel. Um, I, I, I literally had it where I was presiding session. And then when I said that, bunch of friends were like oh yeah okay we're applying together i was like yeah but make sure to write write your application properly you know because i'm going to go for anonymous way we're going to do it this way they wrote a really shit up <laughs> it's like really and then it was kind of in the discussions between them versus someone else and then it was like ugh, i was like really like, I'm like okay i want to put all my bias out there on the table this is a friend i do want them in the session but i don't want us to take that into consideration knowing from the way they work i believe xyz looking at this person, you know, we went through that. At the end, we ended up selecting them. So I was definitely guilty of nepotism there. But it's like, make an effort. <laughs> like, write your app properly. There's also been, I've had a couple of these cases where there's been someone I've met at a session that I thought, okay, this person has a lot of potential. They're still at the very start of their journey. and But I see a lot of development that I could personally give support to. And then I was like, okay, I'm doing presenting another session. You should definitely drop an application. And then the application is just bad. But it's not bad because they didn't put time and effort into it is bad because they don't know how to write application. Yeah, I actually had similar things a few times and I had I've seen bad examples and then I've done it myself where like there'll be a person I've met with very little experience, but I you know, you kind of see that glimmer in them and you're like I think someone should really give you a chance to get you started and they tend to write, you know, mediocre applications, but then I've like pushed being like, yeah, I know the app isn't that amazing and the you know, the session history isn't really there, but I think there is value in still considering this person for, you know, just potential there, which is often difficult to communicate to a panel if you're just starting off, right? Yeah, that's true. But it has a few times back. I mean, I haven't done, I have seen maybe one very bad example where, you know, someone was brought into a a team by the president because president really believed that person had the, the capacity and the competence despite having no experience to do it. And that person was selected out of hundreds of others and ended up, you know, kind of not uh, delivering on that because they didn't have the foundational experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And my, from my experience, ANSYs do that all the time. They have someone who they think that they're going to do things like, so they should get experience and that they select them and they're just, definitely not qualified for the role whatsoever and just don't have it uh, not not just qualified but also just fitting in general i've had too many of those yeah and i think it's a lot about cultural differences in different ncs right like the more south and east you go the more you'll have of being like oh yeah this person is from rnc we really think they should chair the session like you know you've both presided balkan and turkish sessions so i know but on the other hand, because I initially used to think, yeah, cultural differences, right? Like maybe Eastern Europe or Southeastern Europe will do this more. But I actually think it's everywhere. It's just a matter of framing. Because if you come to the Netherlands, they're never going to tell you, oh, this person is our friend and we really like this person. You should take them. They're just going to be like, well, there's a quota of a minimum for Dutch people. And we know all these Dutch people and we think these Dutch people are the most suited for them. <laughs> They're just a bit more sneaky in the way that they describe it. Can they kind of bring this whole nepotism thing back into the flat hierarchy topic? Have you guys had experiences where you've had, in where you've seen flat hierarchy boards or other uh, extended leadership teams 
where there's been this kind of clear nepotistic selection and how has that worked out within the dynamic of the board as a whole you mean selection of the board like that there's been nepotism involved in selecting the vice presidents for example and for a flat flat hierarchy quote-unquote board and how has that then affected the end result of it like is it a completely different thing to have a flat hierarchy where none of the people know each other from beforehand or where place where the president is already uh, familiar with some of the people and wants them in their team whereas the others not so much yeah i i, I kind of wrote my master's thesis on this to an extent so i did my master's master's thesis in human resources and for with within hr there's like a whole bunch of stuff on like selection within recruitment and stuff like this and for me what i was really interested in is the fact that with uh, with assessment centers um uh, within selection the worst possible thing you can do is to have the jurors meet up and have a discussion. Uh, whenever they discuss their collective results, it then decreases their ability to actually predict people's abilities and performances. Um, if you ask every single juror to uh, to grade it on paper and then use an Excel sheet to bring them all together, you do the averages and you select candidates that way, it's a really, really great way to predict future performance. And one one of the key things behind this is because when they whenever they have the discussion, they start to use their biases and they start to they start it's let's say if if Ali and myself we're in a panel and we're discussing about Joel and I know Joel or even if I don't know Joel if I saw something in Joel and I believe that he is good good for this and I gave him a higher score than you gave him Ali then if Joel actually gets selected at the end it shows that I'm doing a good job because I'm the one who gave him a good score. So I should try to argue that Joel should be selected for this. And so you have the politics between the different jurors and stuff. And that's that's the main explanation of why whenever they discuss, things start to go downhill. And so then what I wrote my thesis about instead is saying maybe there's actually something that counteracts it. Let's say somebody puts their neck on the line to say, you know what, I really believe in Joel. I think he's going to do a good job. I've actually bought in and I'm putting my reputation on the line. And so when Joel comes into the team, I'm going to make sure that Joel performs. I'm going to make sure to coach him more because if Joel does badly, it reflects badly on me because I was the one who tried to push him into the team. So maybe, on the other hand, with this kind of nepotistic side, maybe there are some offsets, which within that selection panel, if you put your neck on the line to try to bring somebody in, and if they're not going to do the right job, then that's your reputation that's gone down. So you make sure that they're going to do a good job and you provide them better opportunities and you push through with them. Yeah, I've definitely done that a few times and I was lucky enough for it to work out. But I also don't know whether... You know, let's say you brought Joel in and Joel just slept throughout the session. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, you know, are they going to write that in your evaluation or what's the way that knowledge carries on that you uh, lost 50 reputation points? Yeah. I, I'm just, I mean, it could work. I think, I mean, informally people will know. Uh, so if you work with those people again, they'll know that. I mean, yeah. EYP is their game of reputation. Yeah. And I guess that, that, that that's what this is about. This is about intrinsic motivators. So if I'm, or even extrinsic motivators, it's about mo- motivating people to do stuff. Uh, we're all volunteers. We're not being paid to participate in the stuff. And we're each going to give a certain amount of hours and a certain amount of percent of our effort in each day to kind of get things done. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is to get more people to give more amount of effort and to do things to and to, to achieve stuff in UIP. And if the way that you select someone has a side effect where you are going to invest more time in their development and making sure that they actually do something well, it's not necessarily because you have something that's externally countable that it's like, oh, yes, you know, this person did well because they selected this person who did well in this panel or something like this. But it's, let's say, the three of us here. If, if let's say, I'm, I'm, I'm the HO, Joel's the president, and Ali, you're the uh, editor and there's an auger who's coming through and i put my neck on the line i say no no we should really have this person in the team i think they're going to be here for this and this reason then if this person really doesn't show up i know that i've kind of lost face against you guys and so subconsciously throughout that session 
I'm going to invest more time into this person and make sure that that kind of comes through. So maybe yeah, that's, I, agree. I, I, I tried to do a bit of research on it. I didn't find much out there in the literature about this stuff. I tried to do a little bit of a study inside EYP with a bunch of different selection panels. My research was inconclusive, <laughs> but you know, it's more just an idea to be like, maybe there is also this kind of trade-off on a, in a people centric system. I think one thing there is, it's not only that, okay, you're kind of vouching for someone. So you're putting extra effort in there and you know, making sure that they do good, but there's also an element of your on familiar basis with that person so you're more likely to provide them with emotional support and if someone does really badly at a session emotional support is probably kind of or the lack of it is probably where that's coming from like if someone's really emotionally supported then let's say as a vice president then you're gonna find a way as a board to go through any difficulties that you have with them and okay so you know so you know your person so you're going to be more available for them if there's something that comes and they're more likely to open up to you about it because they already know you're they're comfortable with you. So I guess there's a interesting point there that leaders could then try to strive for is to take that approach with all their uh, all the people that are close to them. Treat everybody with the emotional support that you would give to a friend and see what effect that has on your sessions yeah for sure because i think what you mentioned joel i've seen as a bad thing as well where say like nathan stuck his neck out to get you in as a chair he's the president and throughout the session when you struggle you're only talking to nathan even though your buddy group vp is someone else right so it's this like oh i know the president i'm gonna deal with my issues with the person i know which actually creates more weird hierarchies that don't need to exist whereas i actually agree with what you're saying though in terms of Sometimes you can really indeed stick your neck out and say, I really believe it. But in terms of selection panels, I feel like that's also cultural dimensions, right? I prefer maybe say slightly more balcony sessions where you could tell the panel, trust me, this person will do good and I will make sure they will do good. Whereas yeah. there's perhaps less flexibility in more Western or Nordic sessions. And it's more about what's on paper. Yeah, yeah that's trust true. me, Nordics are nepotism. Nepotism <laughs> this I've never done a Nordic session, so I actually don't know about Nordic. <laughs> Just like how I've never done the UK session yet, I chat shit about EYP UK every episode. <laughs> that sounds like a very good choice you made there. Though. <laughs> we'll probably do something like a, on our Insta page or something where people have to try to guess what is this taboo topic that Ali will not speak about at the moment, but will only <laughs> grant us access to information in the future. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys do have more followers than I think about 60, 70% of NCs. <laughs> what we do? Shit. We got to take them on. Okay. If you're an NC out there and you have many followers, consider this a challenge. We are, we're going to go out there. We're going to hunt. We're going to, we're going to start to like target all of your members. We're going to find some way to make a bit of money, then pay that on advertisement to grow our platform. Yeah. If you don't yet follow our Instagram, you can follow us at Tales from Session.